All right, let's open up to Matthew chapter 6, verse 13. We're uh, in our fourth week of our prayer series, our fourth and last week. And the uh, title scripture for today is, Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So Matthew chapter 6, 13. And I'm going to do a general review of the last four weeks, because I know that, uh, you know, with summer and everything, we've been very, uh, we've been having some, uh, you know, vacation type situations going on. So, I'm going to read from verse 5. And when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues, or churches, and on the street corners to be seen by men. This is Jesus speaking. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room. Close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins... Your Father will not forgive your sins. Father, as we come to you this morning, Lord, we come before you and just know that all of your goodness is at our, at our disposal. Father, teach us to pray. God, the enemy would just love to take this out of our hands and, and render us weak. To cut the lines of communication between us and our strength, our supply line. And Father, to many, you know, we, as we look out, it seems like He's been very successful in many of our lives, Lord, in my life, in the life of many in this church, and, and definitely our nation. We're no longer allowed to pray in school, we're no longer allowed to pray in public almost. It's a shameful thing to call upon the God of the Bible but it's lauded and, and you know, applauded that you could pray to an idol or be weird out there. Father, you said in the end times that evil would become good and good would be called evil. Here we stand before you, Lord, your church in 2010 in a tiny town called Walla Walla, Lord. We need you. And we ask today that you would lead us, that you would empower us, God, that you would revive in us the will to pray. And Father, not only the will, but I pray that you would encourage us by answering our prayers, Lord, and teaching us. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. We've been going over the Lord's Prayer the past few weeks in an attempt to deepen our prayer life, which is one of the hardest things to do. Amen? I mean, how many when I was praying, you guys just went, Oh! I mean... I don't know what it is, but when Jesus talked to his disciples, if you remember in the wilderness, uh, actually in the, in 
the Sea of Galilee. Uh, sea of Galilee. Thank you. Just wanted to make sure you're there. In the Middle East, when Jesus was talking to his disciples there, he said, he said, hey, can, can you pray with me for an hour? And what happened? What'd they do? Oh, man, they fell asleep. And those were his disciples. The guys are out casting out demons and having amazing times with the Lord, right? How much harder would it be for us to just stay awake for an hour and pray? And so for the last week, I mean, for the last month, you've got to help me here. My medication's kicking in. <laughs> the last four weeks, we've been attempting, or three weeks, we've been attempting to have prayer here in the sanctuary as a part of our service and also at home. Steve, if you could roll off the volume a little bit, it's feeding back. It, and what we, what we wanted to do is just say, let's, let's take it up a notch. Let's pray in here as, as a group and just ask the Lord. First week we broke into groups and we could hear each other's hearts and pray together. Then we've been praying for different aspects every single week here, but also in our home groups that we take it out of the church where it needs to be as well, but also in the home. That's where it should be, right? The, the church, that word church means the gathering. And Jesus says, where two or more are gathered in my name, there I am also. And that is the real church, I would say. You know, this, the, uh, my own personal bumper stickers, the worst thing that happened to the church is the building. Because somehow in our culture, we think that this building is church. No, we are the church. We are the church. And wherever two or more of us are gathered on Monday mornings or in someone's home, there he is also, and that is the church. And our, and our God, the same God that parted the heavens and parted the, uh, parted the sea. Thank you very much. <laughs> hey, man, it's a medicated morning. It's fun. But the, same, the same God who did that. What happened? He's here with us now as we gather together by faith. And the one thing that the enemy wants to take out of our hands is prayer. Because it is the weapon that God has given us in this world to just defeat the enemy and push forward the will of God on earth. And so Jesus teaches us to pray. He says, hey, pray in this manner. Your Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And that means when we pray to the Father, he's the object of our prayer. How many... Uh, when we pray, the object of our prayer is not him, but it is our need. Amen? And the Lord knows we have needs. Obviously, it says that he knows he, before we even pray, he knows our needs. But the object should be our Father. That's a discipline, don't you think? That's, that's hard. That kind of goes against what I want, against the flesh. I'd rather sleep. But we have to push through and discipline ourselves. And you know what I found in my life? That as I begin praying... I, and, I, and I take a little time every day and start doing it. I, I build up this, this strength in my spirit to where I'm able to persevere in spiritual things. But then again, the flesh comes in and I start to get tired again. And I just, you know, I just get defeated again. And it takes so long to build that back up again. So I would encourage us to persevere in prayer. And that's what Jesus talks about here later in Matthew chapter 6. He says, if a guy comes to your door at midnight, he keeps knocking. Hey, give me some bread. I have some people from out of town who came. He goes, we're all asleep. Go away. But he keeps knocking, keeps knocking, keeps knocking. And because of just wanting to get rid of the guy, what happens? He opens up the door, gives him bread, and says, get out of here. But he says, you know what? Your father in heaven. And, and, and Jesus often uses contrasts when he speaks. 
Your father in heaven isn't a, a mean ogre who's asleep, is he? He's a benevolent, loving father. We get to call him Abba, Daddy. He knows your needs. And if he's the one that's behind the door, he says, ask, seek, knock, and I'm going to give it to you. If you being wicked, evil parents, kind of just calling it how it is, you know, we're all sinful, right? Know how to give your children good gifts. And I were talking about last week, how much it just lights their hearts up when we give them something. They just freak out. Isn't that amazing? How much more your good heavenly Father in heaven is going to give you good gifts to those who ask? And another thing, he says, who will give you also the Holy Spirit for those who ask. In Luke 11, it says the Holy Spirit. In Matthew 6, it says good gifts. We need that. We need to go to our Father knowing that He's good. And so when we pray to the Father, He's the object of our prayer. Hallowed be thy name, which means holy. And His name, as I already talked about, it means the becoming one. It means Jehovah. That's His name. God is His title. That's not His name. You know, if you walked around calling me pastor, I'd be like, gosh, just call me Matt, you know? Hey, pastor, hey, pastor, pastor. If my kids call me pastor, that'd be, you know. It's funny, they just call me, hey, Matt. I'm like, wait, wait a second. <laughs> That's disrespectful. So anyways, um, anyways, our father's, his name is Jehovah or Yahweh. And that means the becoming one, which means he wants to become what we need. And the Old Testament has already talked about Jehovah Shalom. They call him Jehovah Shalom, which means the God of peace. How many of you need peace? He wants to be the God of peace in your life. Come to your father for peace. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, our healer. How many of you need healing in your lives emotionally? How many of you just destroyed yourselves from poor choices or other people who have inflicted wounds upon you? Sometimes it's not instantaneous. Sometimes the Lord wants to take time to heal you in these circumstances because he wants to also develop character or to give you the tools in order to use them in other people's lives who are wounded. But he is the healer. Will we go to our Father for healing? How many other places do we go for these things? He should be the source of our life, the one who meets our most basic needs and our deepest needs. Not the government, not that relationship that we're seeking out to get this need met. Our Father in heaven. He should be our primary source. And if he decides to use these other things as his means, then so be it. But that's his prerogative. Amen? Next, we pray according to our Father's will. His will is our objective. So the object of our prayer is the Father. The objective is His will. How are you doing on that this week? Boy, I struggle. I struggle. His will is our objective in prayer. And the, obje- and the object of our lives, to be frank, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give me some examples of how we're to pray according to this will. How have you been praying according to this will this week? Go ahead and raise up your hands and shout out. Anybody? Go for it. Amen. That is open. You're saying, Father, whatever comes down the pipe, I want to be open to whatever you have to do. That's in general, praying according to his will. How else, how else can you pray according to his will this week? Yes. Right. Does God want us to be effective in this community? What keeps us from being effective in this community? Me. You, right? 
So the Lord needs to change my heart. That's praying according to his will. Lord, change my heart. And so he brings up something in our life that would cause us to change. We get the choice to either surrender or to harden our hearts according to his will. So we pray according to his will. You know, and this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desire of him. That's, that's 1 John 5, 14, 15. That we can ask whatever we want according to his will, and he said he would do it for us. That is an amazing promise, don't you think? And I think this is why we get so discouraged in prayers, because we don't lay hold of that, but we lay hold of what? What we want. Not according to his will, but my will, Matt's will. God, why don't you answer me? You've abandoned me. You've left me on the middle of nowhere. Why aren't you letting me win the lottery? You're a bad God, you know? It's like, no, we're messed up in our hearts. And I think that's kind of funny, you know? And I have a tool to help us a little bit. And it's that one, uh, that one paper. Uh, uh, this is the will of God, the study. It's the study of the will of God. It's a paper that should be back there, and if not, you can find it on our, our website. And um, www, I always say W, my wife hates that, but dot, um, was it, ccf of www.com. We'll plug that later, but you can download it, the will of God study. So you can just read this, take 10 minutes, go through this Bible study, and begin to discover what the will of God is. Do you know that God's already revealed his will to us? Do you know how he's revealed that will to us? Anybody have an answer? Yeah, here you got it back there. It's this thing. It's a Bible. That if we open it up and we start reading, and I could read, you know, almost anywhere in this thing, and I start uh, reading a scripture, I can just, you know, uh, you know, the Lord came up to this certain place and he said these things, and I can go, Lord, is my heart open like that? Lord, am I willing to, or am I, is my, am I heart, is it hard like the disciples' hearts? Am I weak of faith? You know, when a storm comes into my life, am I just all of a sudden throw up my hands and start screaming like them? Lord, make me a man of faith. Teach me how to do that. And as we read through his scriptures, he begins to show us how to do that. As we begin to have fellowship with one another, he begins to sharpen our lives. As we begin to pray, he begins to bring circumstances in our life where we change. We don't stay where we are. And that's what we're looking for. So the objective of prayer is the will of our Father. But as we first seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness, the Father promises to take care of all of our needs according to His riches and glory. Amen? What are our two major needs in Christ? We find them here in this prayer. Our two major needs in prayer in Christ. Give us today our daily bread. That's the first one. The need for provision. I spoke about this last week. Our Father knows our needs before we even ask Him. Isn't that good to know? That deepest need you have in your heart right now, whatever it might be, He knows what your need is before you even ask Him. But He loves to take care of you and He loves to hear you come. Don't you know, don't you love it when your kids come and ask you something you know you want to give them? Isn't that just that connection that happens? That's what He wants. 
wants that relationship with us. So ask for your needs according to his will, and it will be given to you. But just as a reminder, and I want to keep going back to this because this is where we, we hover a lot of the time. Our brother James in James chapter 4 says, in verse 1 says, What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something, but you don't get it. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight and you don't have because you do not ask God. You don't ask God. You don't get the things, right? But then he says, when you ask, you don't receive because what you ask for, and it says, I'm sorry, I'm reading a different version here, because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. How many of your prayers this week, just asking out in general, have been asked with a motive that you could spend on your own pleasure? Anyone? Every, <laughs> Judy's all, everyone. <laughs> that was good. Yeah. I want us to be excited. I want to see God do something amazing, more amazing than he's already done. I know he's doing things, but that we could pray and we get to see him answer because we're asking according to his will. And it's not like, Whoa, look at the way we organized this ministry, or look at the way we did this, or, you know, look at how I strategize and how wonderful I am in my finances and all that stuff. But because of God, that He's, it's, it, there's this holiness that comes into our lives. There's this amazing presence of God that it's not just us, it's Him. And we see it when He answers, we just go, Whoa, that was Him. And then we stand back in our worship. What happens to our worship? becomes authentic. Wow, we're having a relationship with you. This is amazing. I want to experience that. I know we're, spo- you know we're not supposed to run on emotions, but, you know, like I was talking with a friend this week, I love to feel the Lord, don't you? It's great to be in His presence. It's, it's great to have joy in the Lord. I want to, I want, and I want us all to experience that together as we seek Him in prayer. So, when we ask... Come to our Father with our needs, praying according to His will. Lord, give us this day our daily bread. That's our first greatest need. Secondly, moving along, forgive us of our sins and, and we, as we forgive our debtors. Andrew Murray says, As bread is the first need of the body, so forgiveness for the soul. Think about that. That's a, that's a wise saying there. As bread is our first need for our body. So is forgiveness for our soul. It's our first need in our souls for forgiveness. Isn't it? Because when we come to the Father, it's through relationship. Jesus said here in Matthew 6, He says, For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. How many of us last week, the Holy Spirit spoke to our hearts about people we were supposed to contact situations that we were supposed to set right and we didn't do it. Anyone? Yeah. This is, this is where the rubber meets the road. The enemy comes in. It says like a, you know, like a bird and he comes and he picks that thing that God wanted to do in your heart and he just picks it out of your heart. Don't allow him to do that. There's someone that you need to forgive or someone, and this is the really interesting thing, someone who even has a wrong against you, the scriptures say. It's up to you to go to them 
go to him and get it right. It's foolish for us to think that God will allow us to gauge in relationship and to engage in worship. This is very important. Listen, it's very foolish for us to think that God is going to allow us to have this relationship with him when we don't have forgiveness in our hearts towards one another, when he clearly says the opposite. Are we living deceived? Genesis 4, Cain and Abel. It says that now Abel kept flocks and Cain worked the soil. And in the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of of the soil as an offering to the Lord. But Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock, you know. The Lord looked with favor upon Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look like with favor. And we look at that and we go, okay, well, it's because, you know, he didn't offer blood or whatever it is. You know, I I just tend to disagree with that a little bit. I know Hebrews goes into uh, a little bit more, and we should take that as the interpretation, because it was because Abel brought his by faith. But I think there's also another situation, if you just read it for face value, that's going on here, is that Cain had anger in his heart towards his brother. How many of us think that offering our worship or, or, or whatever it might be is going to be accepted to God when we have anger in our hearts towards our brother? And God, being the loving God, he goes ahead and he, and he approaches him. It says here, The Lord looked with favor upon Abel, but on Cain his offering didn't. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Now, does God know why he's angry? Yes, God always asks leading questions, just like good parents ask their kids. Why is your face downcast? And he says, if you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. He comes up to him and says, listen, I know what's going on in your heart. And this isn't right. I'm not going to accept your offerings. We're not going to have a relationship here. Because your relationship with your brother is not right. You've got to get that right. You know you can do the right thing, and I'm, and I'm going to accept you. But if you don't, sin is crouching at your door. It wants to have you, but you've got to master it. And this is what father, our Father says to us. It's crouching at our door. Are we willing to give it up? Now Cain said to his brother Abel, Hey, let's go out in the field. <laughs> and when they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. That's why Jesus said, don't murder. And he said, guess what? It's not the act of murder that gets you guilty with God. It's having it in your heart because that's where it begins. Don't let that bitterness be in your heart. So when we come to the Father, we ask for forgiveness for our sins, just as we have forgiven others their debts to us. Our need in prayer, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we have also forgiven our debtors. Lastly, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Right off the bat, we have to discuss the two aspects of that word temptation. Um, It literally means a test. Uh, Not always solicitation to do evil. So regarding the first aspect, um, what the enemy means for temptation, God also can use as a test. Have you ever noticed that in your life? When the enemy comes in to, to go ahead and seek to destroy us, God can also use that as an opportunity for us to see where we are with him. It reveals what's in our hearts. So, for example, you, you enter into a situation where you're, you're tempted to steal something, perhaps cheat on your taxes. 
the enemy comes in and goes, hey, you know, no one's going to know, except for Terry. <laughs> right? Government auditor. <laughs> but no one's going to know. Who knows? Your father, you. And it's a, t- it's, a, it's a test for us to say, you know what? No one else knows. But Father, you know. The enemy comes to, say, comes to take this away from me. Goodbye, enemy. Hello, God. So what the enemy uses as a temptation can also be used as a test by our Father. So that's an in- interesting aspect. It says in James 1.3, it says, While God does not tempt. God's not the author of temptation. That's very important to get away with right now. Jesus is not the tempter. Father, our Father is not the tempter. James 1.3 says, While he does not tempt men to do evil, God does allow his children to pass through periods of testing. You know? And just in addition. But as disciples, we should be aware of our weaknesses. And we should not desire such testing, should we? And we should pray to be spared from such situations in which we are vulnerable. How many of us go, Lord, let me go into the situation so I can be tested and tried? No. You want to? <laughs> no. Lord, I know I've been struggling with alcohol, but I think I got it now. You know, let's go to the bar, you know, or whatever it is for a night of, you know, O'Doul's. You know, it's not going to happen. We don't want to be in that situation. If we truly play, pray, Lord, lead us not into temptation, it will be lived out in several ways. It will mean never boast in your own strength. Never desire trials. Never go into temptation willingly. Never lead others into temptation. I think that's pretty practical. I think the heart of this prayer can be found in Psalm 5, verse 8, if you want to write that down. It says, Lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness, because of my enemies, make straight your way before me. Lord, make straight your way before me because of my enemies. Aren't they pressing in on every side? Pressing in on every side. And then you've got this flesh to deal with as well. Right now, everybody's just kind of blood sugar, low, need food. You know, we're just kind of, you know, we just naturally go down. We don't want to deal with the things of the Spirit. I understand. And then we've got the enemy pressing in us. And then in the world, there's a lot going against you, right? Lord, strengthen me. Make your your path straight for me. Lead me not into temptation. Don't let me go by the way of my natural desires. You know, the, the Scriptures say in Isaiah... Uh, what do they say? They say, uh, Isaiah 53, it says, We all, like sheep, have gone astray, every one of us, to our own, our own ways. But upon him was God put the iniquity of us all. So let us not be led. Lead us in righteousness. Lord, our hearts are prone to wander. Lead us in righteousness. But now the second aspect of tep- temptation, I was just thinking, is just actually being tempted, not just tests. You know, we have an enemy, and I'm going to read a few verses here. It says, The devil still prowls around like a lion, seeking to whom he may devour. That's 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9. It says, Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Stand firm in the faith, because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of uh, suffering. Resist him. If I were to tell you, hey, there's a, there's a lion loose in Walla Walla, what would you guys say? You'd be a little bit more careful about where you're going, what you're doing. You'd be a little bit more, he's there. And he's crafty. And he's got little lion, you know, mini-me's all out there trying to get you. <laughs> I'm telling you. 
It's cra- he's crafty and he's out for us. Satan in times comes as an angel of light. How does he appear to us in temptation? Is it always just the guy with the horns and the pitchfork? Although that's not biblical. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, 14-15, Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. Is that ugly or is that beautiful and pretty and attractive? Wow. It's not surprising then if his servants masquerade as servants of righteousness. Wow, so the enemy has masked people who act like servants of righteousness, who masquerade themselves and walk around? Their end will be what their actions deserve. So beware that sin looks pretty. Temptation looks like it's good sometimes. At times, Satan used other people to entice us, doesn't it? Doesn't he? Proverbs uh, 1, verse 10, some wise wisdom here, if that's a word in itself. My son, if sinners entice you, do not give in to them. There are sinners who entice us. There are people who want to draw us to their ways. And lastly, we remember in James chapter 1, verse 13 and 14, it says, When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone, but each one is tempted when he by his own evil desires, when he's dragged away and enticed. Then, after, he desi- after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. Something that's so beautiful and shiny and pretty, right? Leads to sin when it's birthed in our hearts, which leads to what? Death. We don't want that in our lives. Run away from it. Remember when Joseph was... was tempted by Potiphar's wife. She tried to seduce him. What did he do? How can I do such things and sin against God? And he ran away naked. You know, when she grabbed his clothes and all that stuff, he ran away naked. He'd rather be embarrassed than sin against God. Sometimes we need to just be embarrassed rather than sin against God. Amen? Resist the devil. How do we defeat temptation? I just want to go to this. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1 through 11. Can we open our Bibles to Matthew chapter 4, verse 1 through 11? And this will be it. And we'll pray for a few minutes. Now this is going to mess with your theology here. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. We'll chew on that when we get into the book of Mark, okay? After fasting for 40 days and full 40 nights, he was hungry. No doubt. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. What kind of bread? I would ask. I mean, seriously, 40 days without food? You know, can I have, you know, like glazed tops? And Jesus answered, it is written, man does not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Deuteronomy 8.3. Then the devil spoke to him, uh, took him to the holy city, and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written. Notice the devil is using what? Scripture. 
he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, well, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to, your te- to the test. Lastly, again, verse 8, the devil took him up into a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and the angels came and attended to him. What are your weaknesses? Do you have weaknesses for food, you know, material type things, things that feed your flesh? You know? Jesus was tempted that way, and he answered him with Scripture. Know the Scriptures. Arm yourself with the Scriptures and the truth. Put it in your heart. King David said, I will put your word in my heart so that I will not sin against you. Seek out the sword. Find that weapon in here that you need to have to have victory in the kingdom. If you're struggling with things of the flesh, if you're struggling with pornography, if you're struggling with alcoholism, if you're struggling with obesity, if you're struggling with all these types of things, these things that the Bible calls sin. You know, or reading all types of stuff. I was like, what? That's, that's not in our culture. Hey, listen, I'm just, just go by what he says now, but by what we say as a culture. And we go ahead and we find the scriptures that would encourage us in our hearts. And when the enemy comes late at night and he wants to tempt you with that, you say, no, for it is written. And you walk away and you run. Whatever you have to do. Jesus said if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. doesn't mean really cut it off. It means do whatever it takes to kill it. Don't let sin reign in our lives. Temptation is nothing to mess with because it's shiny and pretty and it leads to death. How many, how many of you have experienced in your own lives or another something that was shiny and pretty in the beginning and it destroyed your whole family? That's not what we're messing with. So let's arm ourselves with the scripture. Let's be people of prayer and ask for him, Lord, lead me not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen? We need to be people of prayer. We need to continue this. I need to be a pastor of prayer. And it's going to kill your flesh and you're not going to like it and it's boring. So what? We die and we move forward and we have victory in Jesus. Amen? Because I want to see people come to Jesus. Jesus wants to see people come to Jesus. And you know what? Who, who he wants to use? You. Yes, with all your flaws and blemishes and all the things you've done, he wants to use you because who gets the glory? He gets the glory. Father, we ask that you would equip us over this next year. That as we go into the book of Mark, we would be equipped with your scripture. Lord, we ask that as we pray, as we seek home fellowships, Lord, that we would deny ourselves and move into these situations that would encourage our walk with you and our love for one another. Father, make the way, put the desire in our hearts to seek after those things, to pray increasingly, to get over our, our self and to start doing what you say, Lord. And I'm praying for myself, Father. Lord, help me. Lord, help my brothers and sisters that we would have victory in you, that we have strength. And just for the next five minutes, I'd just like us to pray.
just to lift up our hearts to the Lord, to ask for strength and ask for Him to lead or whatever else might be on your heart. And I'll close this. So let's pray.